Hey, welcome everybody. This is Table Talk, your healthy theological radio addiction. And I'm here with Pastor Moline and Pastor Poppy. My name is Pastor Kuhlman. We've been uh, doing some flyby work in Matthew 24, just frolicking or roaming or whatever you want to call it, Matthew 24. But how goes, uh, Moline, how goes the GoFundMe page to pay for all your... Uh, all your uh, crises situations at home and all that jazz. <clears throat> so far, we are uh, racking in the dollars. We are at uh, 23 cents and counting. So at this rate, uh, in 28 years, I should be able to retire. Absolutely. 23 cents. And that's just spare change you pick up from the parking lot out here at Good Shepherd, no doubt. Well, thanks for rubbing that in, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it probably falls out of Poppy's pockets when he gets out of his truck, when he stumbles out of his truck. When I'm reaching for my cigar cutter. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And Poppy had been on vacation. We had we had the great joy of having Pastor Porth here while you were gone. But it's good to have you back, Clint. Well, it's good to be back. It's um, the, the program is always uh, different and better when Pastor Porath is on. Too bad his uh, schedule doesn't allow him to be here more often, so you're stuck with me. Yeah, that, we're stuck with each other. Let's put it that way. So you've gone vegan, I hear, Moline. You know, you talk about your gardening, and all you do is eat. Uh, well, I'm a good, good. He talks about stuff that he eats that I wouldn't even touch with a 10-foot pole. <clears throat> now, just to be uh, honest here about it, um, all the gardening vegetables that I'm talking about go with all the dead animals that are in the freezer. It's oh, just okay. not in season right now. I see. Okay, well, that's. I'm glad to hear that. So <laughs> with your jalapeno poppers, you wrap that not only with bacon, but what, with bear, moose? Uh, deer, bear, duck, pheasant, um, yeah, I, I've I've shot just about everything, so. All right, all right. I, I thought you were going vegan, and I thought we were going to have to have an intervention, Clint. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I, yeah, intervention and execution. I always get those two mixed up. Yeah, so. you would. You, you're always worried about those <laughs> things, absolutely. Yeah, I'm not passive aggressive. Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> Matthew 24, folks, it's interesting. Uh, we're going to move on in Matthew 24. Last time we... We observed that with regard to the time period of 66 to 70 A.D. when the Roman general Titus came and besieged Jerusalem and then destroyed the temple in 70 A.D., Jesus, you remember, says that uh, this tribulation that uh, these people endured during this time uh, would never happen like that again in the history of the world. Verse 21, for, there, for then there will be great tribulation such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no and never Will be, and so the Lord, the Lord. This is important for us to to realize. We don't take this verse seriously enough, and I just want to spend a minute or two on this. Is we uh, the pessimists in all of us? We think that uh, the days in which we live are the worst days ever in the history of the world, and the world's never seen such horrible days as these. Well, that's not true. Jesus says that the days from sixty six to seventy A.D. those are the worst days ever. They'll never be equaled again. I mean, we're not living in unprecedented times? No, we're not. We're not. We're really not. It really ticks people off when you tell them that we're not. Yeah. Now, folks, if you're interested and you're, if you love history, just go, go read Josephus's history of this account, what happened from 66 to 70 AD. And, and, and that would give you... To help you out, there's an abridged version that CPH puts out that was edited by, uh, is it Paul Meyer? Yes, yeah, that's uh, correct. And that, it's quite good. That would be easier read than just going straight to the entirety of Do you Josephus have the Paul text. Meyer title in front of you? I think it's called Josephus's Abridged Works okay. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, so just check that out. And you'll get a you get a hint of how horrible if this is. If we was. had a website, we could put a link to CPH on there. Yeah, that's right. And a picture. Um, you know, you think the vicar could do that before he leaves? He's going to be gone in a couple of weeks. Um, but that's what we need. That way, that's how all the big time programs do this, Pastor. Well, they have a link 
Go to our website for more information. That's where you can put your GoFundMe button. There we go. <laughs> then I'll have 27 cents. Well, this is your radio program. This is, uh, well, this is your I mean, radio station. You know. you know, this, this is the kind of helpful insight that you lose when Pastor Porath is here because he is strictly about doctrine and practice and theology. <laughs> and with me, you get all the fluff. So. Oh, don't cut him short, let me tell you. <laughs> he, he's he's uh, forgotten more than we'll ever know in our life. He's know, a good man. Yeah. Good man. Now, good friend, is it, good is man. it worth pointing out so that, I mean, times like this uh, never had been before and never will be again, just to kind of bring us back to Josephus, Josephus claimed that 1.1 million people were killed in the destruction of Jerusalem, and that number uh, was swelled enormously because um, they surrounded the city and they let... Jewish people come in for the Passover, but they didn't let them come back out. And there was no food in the walls after a while, so much so that they were eating uh, dead babies and they they were eating shoes and things like that. Within the city, while they were surrounded by the Roman army, there was also factions and destruction where different pockets of Jewish people would fight against each other and kill each other. And uh, I think just two years ago, they found still bodies in the ancient sewers of Jerusalem that are left from 70 AD that hadn't moved in 2,000 years. I mean, they're bones now, of course, but that's how bad the destruction was that 2,000 years later, they're still finding human remains that were... Killed or or um, murdered, yeah. murdered yeah. in that uh, in that time, executed, if you will. Yeah, it, it, it's I if I remember correctly from my reading, and it's been a long time of reading Josephus on this, is that I think he mentions another anecdote, more anecdotal evidence of how horrible it was. Is there was no wood, there were no trees in the in the entire. Why not? Because they crucified as many people as they could. They cut down every tree in the region. There weren't yes. any trees around. The Jordan River was surrounded by uh, date trees, uh, and in fact, the Judean date palm tree went extinct as a result of that. Up until about twenty years ago, they found some Judean date palm. Uh, seeds in a jar buried somewhere, and they managed to get one of them to come back to life, uh, to come back to life, to to grow and sprout. And so there's one Judean date palm tree that's left because all the rest of them were destroyed for siege equipment, for crosses, uh, for things like that. And this was, the Romans were very, very good at this sort of thing. And uh, so, yeah, a whole plant species went extinct. So Jesus says, you know, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. And they were. The, the, so the so the Lord takes care of His church, and we emphasized that the last time we talked. Now I want to move on in the verses, because then Jesus warns His church ahead of time, in verse twenty three. Then if anyone says to you, "Look, here is the Christ, namely the Messiah," or "There He is," don't believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will arise, and they will perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. And then Jesus says in verse 25, listen very carefully, folks. Jesus says, now look, I've told you this ahead of time. So if they say to you, look, he's in the wilderness, don't go out. And if they say, look, he's in the inner rooms, don't believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. And then verse 28, wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Now that verse right there, we'll get to eventually. It's just delicious. I can't wait to talk about that. But one thing at a time. So... Again, in Matthew 24 here, what Jesus does is he gives his disciples a cold dose of reality. And as he says in the text, he tells them ahead of time what's going to take place. And so his disciples, his early church, they are to face the future with, uh, with a, 
with neither fear or with fantasy, but rather to watch and to pray. Because the time of the end, whether it's the time of this 66 to 70 AD, which is a foretaste of the last days and the last day, um, there's going to be times of false teaching and false teachers and those who claim to be saviors, messiahs, false Christs. Okay. And so what we learn here in Matthew 24 is that the church will suffer persecution. And as indicated in the earlier verses that we've studied in Matthew 24, not only will the church suffer persecution, but the church will also suffer desecration. So the temple is desecrated, the abomination, which we spoke about, the abomination that causes desolation, which Antiochus Epiphanes III in 168 did, which is a foretaste of what Titus would do in 70 AD. And then, let me put it to you this way. What's interesting, I think, is that Antiochus Epiphanes III is a foretaste of Antichrist that Paul speaks about in 2 Thessalonians 2. And what I'm trying to do, and I'm not doing it very well, just hang on tight, I'm going to try and uh, connect these loose dots, is that when I say that the church, according, according to our Lord's words in Matthew 24, she will suffer persecution and also desecration. Uh, what I mean is, Paul picks this up in 2 Thessalonians 2. We've studied this before when he speaks about the man of sin or the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, who reigns in the temple of God, the church. The Antichrist exists in the church and desecrates the church. I hope you're picking up what I'm throwing down here. Does the Antichrist desecrate the church just because the Antichrist is there? Or is this a picture of a even bigger or larger desecration at the hands of the Antichrist? It's, it's not only is he there, but it's what he says and does. Okay. So the, the fact that the Antichrist is in the church is desecration in and of itself. Right. Okay, right. but and the odd thing, but is, it is, but it's more than that as yeah, well. Yeah. So, in other words, what I'm trying to say. So, let's try and repeat this a little bit. So, just as the Jerusalem Temple in 168 BC, and then in 70 AD, and in 63 BC. Yes. Yes. Thank Pompeii you, Pompey the Great. Yes. Thank you. I always forget that. And 135 AD with uh, the Bar Kokhba revolt. Right. So, just as the, the the Jerusalem Temple suffered desecration with the intrusion of, uh, of idolatry. And that's what they did. They, they brought their, their idols in. They brought their banners of their idols into the inner sanctuary, etc. Uh, so too now the church will have to put up with false teachers and uh, false prophets who will try to what? To lure Christians away from the Lord Jesus Christ and his <coughs> gifts. And so I want to talk about this a little bit. Because this, this is really, I think, apropos for folks who study Matthew 24. Uh, our Lord's words were fulfilled in the generation following him, false Christ, false teachers, false prophets. But they continue to today, and they will continue to the end of the world. Now, let me, let me give you an example. I've done this before, but I'm going to do it again. <coughs> when someone who sits as the bishop of Rome, who appears so pious and so religious... And yet says that, yeah, we're all for faith. Don't get us wrong, folks. We're all for faith. But if you think that faith alone in Jesus Christ saves you, you're wrong. And that Bishop of Rome isn't making this up, whether it's Pope Francis, whether it's Pope John Paul II, or whether it's Benedict. All the popes have taught this since especially the, uh, 
uh, the Council of Trent that followed the Reformation. <coughs> the Council of Trent officially teaches, and this is the official position of the Roman Church, is that if you teach that you are saved by faith alone in Jesus Christ, let them be anathema, which means let them be damned. This is what, So if you're picking up what I'm throwing down, or to, let's go with the Moline thing, with his, his cooking, you know, his vegetables and wrapping them up with all the damn animals, carcasses mm. that he's carved up. If you're, if you're smelling what I'm cooking, uh, our, Lord's, our Lord's words are even being fulfilled today when you have in, within the church, the church is being desecrated by false teachers and false teachings. And one example of this is to deny and damn the fact that the, that the Bible teaches that you're saved by faith alone in Jesus Christ. It, I mean, it doesn't get any more antichrist. It doesn't get any more desecratingly antichrist than that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Is the flip side of that coin then to either say explicitly or imply that other religions of the world will end up in the same place as faith in Jesus? Oh, yeah. Which is, which is kind of the, the uh, hallmark of Vatican II. Yes. I know we're about ready to come to a hard break, but yes, I want to pick up on that after the break. That's an excellent point. I want to say more about that. So hang on tight, folks. Slowly to see this way. Cause though the truth may 